Well, friends, the text that we're going to consider here for the next few minutes is in Galatians chapter 6, and I would ask you to stand as you're able for the reading of God's Word. Uh, Please stand. I'm going to read verses 6 through 10, and then when I've finished reading, I'm going to say, uh, this is the Word of the Lord, and we're going to respond together. Thanks be to God. Galatians chapter 6, verses 6 through 10. The Spirit says, Let the one who is taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. And let us not grow weary of doing good. For in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Friends, we're going to look together at verses 6 through 9 this morning. And we're going to come back next week for verse 10. In verse 10, Paul is summarizing uh, in some of the ethical uh, teaching that he's been giving here in the final chapters of Galatians. And I want to spend some more time considering that together with you next week. So we're going to look at verses 6 through 9. For those of you that are members and regular attenders here, next week I'll preach to you from verse 10. The following week, our brother John Carroll is going to preach. And then the following week... I'm going to finish Galatians chapter 6, verses 11 through 18, and we'll be, we'll be done with the letter. So by the end of June, uh, we'll, have, we'll have finished Galatians. Uh, we're, on, we're on track there. In verses 6 through 9, Paul is addressing a specific area of application in regard to what he has been teaching them. And the principle might be articulated this way. As Christians, we have the responsibility to use our material resources to pursue what is spiritually valuable. As Christians, we have the responsibility, we have the privilege of utilizing those physical material resources we've been given in this life to pursue not only the things of this life, but the things of the age to come. Things of real, eternal, spiritual value. If you've been following along in Galatians as we've been studying it together, Paul has spent the first few chapters uh, articulating the gospel very clearly to people that needed a reminder. And that gospel is that sinners are not saved by their own works, not by the works of the law, but are saved through faith alone in Jesus Christ alone and His grace alone. By the grace of God, sinners are saved, not through our works. Now, having defended that gospel, Paul has been turning his attention in these last few chapters to to practical concerns related to the outworking of the gospel. The last time we were together, and I was preaching to you on Sunday morning a few weeks ago, uh, Paul was addressing uh, at the beginning of chapter 6 the topic of bearing burdens, bearing our burdens together. And particularly spiritual burdens, one who'd fallen into sin, who'd been ensnared 
uh, in sin, that that person be restored and their burdens be borne by the church. Uh, brothers and sisters striving together for the faith of the gospel. Uh, Paul is, is addressing the same general topic today, that is the bearing of burdens and the caring for one another. But there is a specific emphasis in these verses that I want to give our time to this morning. And that is the use uh, of our material possessions and the support of gospel ministry in the church. Uh, Paul gives us some specific application. He articulates a principle that underlies that application, and then he gives us an encouragement. That's the general outline that we're going to follow. So we'll jump right in here, and we'll look at the, um, the specific application he gives first. In verse 6, the Apostle Paul says, Let the one who is taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches. Let the one who is taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches. Now, what he's saying is... is relatively clear. The saints who are receiving the ministry of the Word in the context of the church should, should share the good things, those, those material goods that they have with the one who does the teaching. In other words, if at all possible, you should pay your pastor. You see that there. I make no apology in saying that to you. This is not an application that I have decided to, to bring out from you know, somewhere implied in the text. That is what he's saying. Let the one who is taught the word share all good things with the one who is teaching. Now, Paul is not saying that because he himself is a teacher of the word and he has a, a personal agenda involved in that. In fact, we see very clearly in the scriptures, Paul oftentimes uh, refused compensation uh, for the work that he was doing among the churches. He foregoes what he refers to as his right in that regard in order that there be no stumbling block among the people. No, Paul is saying that the, those who do the teaching and the ministry of the word should be, uh, those who receive that teaching should share all good things with them because Paul knows what you all know that Christian people, that we, the saints of God, are first and foremost people of the Word. We've been talking about this for months in, in my Sunday school class now. and We've talked about it many times here in the pulpit on Sunday morning. We were made, created by the Word of God. We were redeemed, renewed, regenerated by the Word of God, the imperishable seed planted in our souls, the gospel. And we are sustained and carried along and sanctified and renewed day by day by His Word. We're sanctified by the truth. His Word is truth. We are a people of the Word. And a steady diet of the Word of God is vital for our spiritual growth and health and life. We do not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. For a church, a steady diet of the Word of God, handled well, taught well, applied well, is vital for the growth and the health and the perseverance of the saints. And to that end, God gives teachers to the church. He equips individuals among us, generation after generation. We come and go. But in every generation, God equips individuals to be able to handle His Word, to communicate His Word, to apply His Word publicly and in private among the people of God 
in order that they might grow and be healthy and strong and persevere. That the saints might be built up. And so, Paul says, those who are taught this word, well, they should make sure that that teaching continues by sharing all good things with the one who is doing the teaching or the ones. Now, some of you all are very well aware that the teaching of the Bible is time-consuming. It is energy-consuming. And in that sense, there are certain burdens associated with it. And as Paul has been instructing the saints, we are to bear one another's burdens. And we together as a congregation, those who receive the word taught, are to, to bear the burdens with those who teach. Now, in Paul's day, this, involved, this could have involved all kinds of things, all kinds of goods and services and aid so that, so that some brothers in the church be freed up to, to teach the gospel. Uh, and, and still so today. Uh, many of you all have been very careful over the years, both here at Grace Church and at All Nations Church for years, to, to make sure that, that I and my family were well taken care of so that I would have the time and the freedom to apply myself to preparing and teaching the Word of God to you. We've received clothes and shoes and sometimes eggs. All kinds of things have been given to us in order that we don't have to worry about things so that I don't have to be consumed with working a nine-to-five job so that I can, I can do this, this work. Now, today, uh, things are a little bit different than Paul's day. You know, I, I, can't, I can't pay Appalachian electric power. I can't pay my bills with eggs. I need, I need money to do that. So you graciously provide the pastors of the church with a salary. And that is what Paul's talking about. If at all possible that these, that these individuals be cared for and supported by the church. If at all possible we're to pay our pastors so that they're not under financial burden so that they can devote themselves to the ministry of the word. That is what he's saying there. And again, I, I don't make any apologies. Uh, we, we, are, we are not a church that has a... Uh, you know, every third week it is a, a message on tithes and offerings. But when we come to the text that talks about it, we should pay attention to it. We should learn and we should listen. This is what the Lord God says. He says it plainly here. Let the one who's taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches. Now, what Paul says next is not so plain. Evidently, some explanation is needed here. So Paul introduces a principle, and that is the principle of sowing and reaping. Look at verse 7. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. Now, the image there is of sowing and reaping. The, the, the picture is of a farmer. It would have been uh, very familiar to Paul's listeners, and it's not all that unfamiliar to us, but it's, it's worth uh, thinking about a little bit, you imagine a farmer, the way that the farmer sows the seed, the seed that he sows has a huge effect, has all the effect on the harvest that he reaps. Now, some of you all are avid gardeners and some robust uh, you know, fruit-bearing gardens, vegetable-bearing gardens. You know, if you sow high-quality seed, 
you're going to get a high-quality crop unless unforeseen circumstances arise. And if you sow low-quality seed, what kind of crop are you going to get? A low-quality crop, right? The way that you sow, what you sow, in the end is what you reap. You sow high-quality, you get high-quality. You sow low-quality, you get low-quality. That's the principle that Paul is pointing to here. That's the way that it works. And Paul says that this has spiritual application. Look at verse 8. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. He's applying that principle in spiritual things. Now, friends, we've got to think carefully here. I encourage you to, to buckle on your thinking cap. When Paul speaks about sowing and reaping in regard to spiritual things, it is, it is very possible, even it's easy for us to come away with wrong assumptions and think that what Paul's saying is, well, if you do good, then you get good. And if you do bad, then you get bad. Now, that, that's a principle that uh, many people in the world identify as a fundamental spiritual principle. Uh, really, it, it's what sometimes is called karma. Right? If you do good things, well, good things will come to you. And if you do bad things, well, bad things will come to you. What you sow, you'll reap in that regard. And for some people, this is the, this is the ruling spiritual principle. Now, that is the exact opposite of the gospel that Paul has been preaching in this letter to the Galatians. Am I right? And that is not at all what he's been preaching. In fact, he's been making it very clear. You who think that by doing good things, you're going to earn the pleasure of God and the favor of God, you're off base because it can't be done that way. So that's definitely not what he's saying here. What Paul has been preaching to them, I'll remind you, in chapter 2, verse 16, yet we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. So we also have believed in Jesus Christ in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law, because by works of the law, no one will be justified. Nobody reaps the harvest of justification by sowing good works. It doesn't work that way. In fact, the gospel that Paul has been preaching is, like I said, in some ways the very opposite. The cross is a message that Jesus Christ sowed. And yet he did not reap what he sowed, he reaped what you sowed. In order that by faith, you might reap what he sowed. He who lived a holy life, an obedient life, a sinless life, a faithful life, did not receive good at the end of that life, but rather received the condemnation of sinners which we ourselves deserved, right? We sowed the sin, rebellion, selfishness, self-exaltation, all those things our brother led us in praying just a minute ago that the scriptures are clear about. We sowed those things. And yet, what is the gospel message? That he who reaped life, so, he who sowed life reaped death willingly so that we who sowed death might instead reap life in his name. I've called this many times to you all the big switcheroo or the rewards that Christ earned 
and his life are imputed to sinners. As the condemnation that we deserve is imputed to him. This is why it's so significant that you be united to Christ in faith, that he not be a stranger to you, but that you go to him and put your trust in him and believe in him, not just a set of doctrines and ideas, but him, that you lay hold of him who really rose from the dead because there is only life in him. By the way, friends, it's worth stopping here and thinking, do you believe that? I'm afraid there are many people in our time, and there may be people in this room, who really are believing in some sort of form of karma that's dressed up in Christian clothes. You're thinking that if I do good spiritual things, that is what's going to earn me God's pleasure. And you're calling it Christianity. That is not Christianity. Christianity is that we reap what Christ sowed because he reaps what we sowed. We trust in him by faith. Salvation is in him alone. Now, so, so why is Paul saying this, though? He's talking about let the one who is taught share with the one who teaches. Why, why is Paul talking about reaping and sowing at this point? Well, the point he's making is that to invest yourself in earthly things in the end comes to nothing but corruption. But rather to invest in spiritual things is to reap eternal rewards. He's not talking about morality. He's talking about a real spiritual dynamic. Now think about it this way. I mean, to sow to the flesh. What does he mean by sowing to the flesh? For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. The one who who invests his resources, his life, his attention, his days, his energy in the flesh, in the things of this life, the things of this world, the things of the body, and the age that we're living in, Money, reputation, physical appearance, that sort of thing. In the end, what do those things come to? What happens to your body in the end? It dies. What happens to your money in the end? It's gone. What happens to your reputation and your career in the end? It's over. It comes to nothing. Corruption. You invest all of your resources and your energy and your time and attention. You sow to your physical body. In the very short term, you might be very impressive. But friend, you're going to die. That body is going to shrivel up and waste away like everybody else's. You sow to your bank account, saving up huge amounts of money, buying valuable things. What of those things on the final day will you take with you into the age to come? None of it. None of it. It'll be someone else's. What you sowed will bear no harvest at all except for emptiness. Reputation, power, all of it gone in the end. I've mentioned this to you before. I, I used to be a hospice chaplain for a few years. There were many, many people who lamented this very thing in their last hours that I sat with. All of that was for what? For nothing. Oh, who I used to be. Oh, the life I used to have. But what do I have now? As they're looking at their last moments, nothing. Because what Paul is saying, those who sow to the flesh, to their own flesh, that's what they've spent their life investing in. And in the end, what comes of it? Nothing but corruption, nothing but death. 
Now, the converse is also true. To sow to the Spirit, to invest in the things of God, the Spirit of God, His kingdom, His gospel. What is the harvest there? Well, in the end, it is eternal life. Those who with their lives seek not just the things of this world, but rather the kingdom of God, reap an eternal reward at the end of the age. Now, Paul Paul did not make this up, friends. The Lord Jesus taught this very thing, did he not? You remember in Luke chapter 12, the parable of the bigger barns. For the sake of time, he won't go there and read it, but I encourage you to read it. There's the man who, who had a plentiful harvest, and he decided to build bigger barns to store it up. And what happened that very night? God came and said, that's the end of your life, friend. You came up on the boundary. It's over. And the man who went to bed thinking, I've got it made for years, he was utterly unprepared for the very next day. He sowed to the flesh, and then he reaped corruption. A few chapters later, in Luke chapter 16, the Lord Jesus tells a parable of a shrewd manager, a manager of an owner's account who was about to lose his job. And in the last few weeks of his work, before he was fired, he called all the debtors who owed his master some things, and he, he gave them discount settlements, everybody, and made friends, so that when his job was lost, When the situation changed, he had invested in what was coming. He had plenty of friends when he needed them. Jesus is speaking about spiritual things, not just economic things. He's saying that those things that we have now, the resources that we have now, they are to be invested not just in this life, because this is going to end, but they're to be used, invested in the age to come in things of real spiritual value. Whatever one sows, that will he also reap. The one who would save his life will lose it. The one who will lose his life will save it. Now, he's not saying, again, he's not saying, here's how you earn salvation. But, oh, friends, if all you ever do is pay attention to your life here and now and what's happening to you, your physical comforts, if all you do is sow to your own flesh, in the end you will find yourself empty-handed. But if instead of seeking those things, if you seek the kingdom of God, if you turn to him, seek him in the way he is to be found, mercy in Jesus Christ alone, what reward will you reap on the final day? Salvation. Eternal life. Ask, seek, and knock. He does not turn away those who seek him. Now, do you see how this principle applies to paying teachers? You see how this, how this, you see why Paul is saying this right here and now. In this age, friends, that we're living in, the ministry of the word is primary, is a primary spiritual enterprise in the church. This is his primary means of grace that God gives us. It's his word. And those of you who believe that, those of you who have benefited from it, you should use your material resources to ensure that it continues. You should use what you have now, not just for your own benefit now, but for the age to come and speaking, seeking spiritual good. And maybe especially in the ministry of the Word in the local church. Now, Paul mentions pastors here, teachers. But it is not only through teachers and pastors that the ministry of the Word is done in the local church. You think about the life of this church, there are so many ways in which the ministry of the Word is done. 
There are so, so many Bible studies throughout the week, small group meetings, times people get together. There are there's so many times in the evening when we gather together, Wednesday nights all year long, memorizing Scripture, teaching Scripture to children, our youth getting together. There's, there's all kinds of education happening here in the church. In Sunday school, there's discipleship going on with children and adults. All of that, friends, is of eternal value. And all of it costs money. Not every single little bit of it, but a lot of it does. That's not crass, I think. I think the fact, I've changed my mind about this over the years. I used to think the fact that, that we spend so much more money and have so much more overhead than a church in the first century did was, was some you know, crass capitalist commercialism that we've infused into Christianity. I, I've begun to think of it differently. Opportunities abound for us. I sometimes I used to think that if Paul walked into a church like this, a building like this, full of people like this, and programs like this, he would have been he would have been scoffing. Oh. But I think maybe if Paul walked into a church like this, he would say, My goodness, the opportunity. Look, look at these people. Look at all the resources that are available here. You know, we, yeah, I was making tents and I was meeting at, at Priscilla and Aquila's house. Oh, but if we'd had a building like this. <laughs> If we'd, had, if we'd had classrooms like this, if we had a library like this, friends, I don't think you would have scoffed. We have opportunity here. And for you to give of your resources towards that end is not crass and worldly if it is unto the gospel being preached and the word of God being taught. This last week on Wednesday, there was a women's Bible study that met here at the church, and there were, I mean, there were like 50-some people here. There were all these, Eloise was teaching, there were all these ladies there, there were all these kids everywhere, uh, you know, uh, child care workers watching over them. Some people were outside playing baseball, they were, in the, you know, they were all divided up all over the place. The church was full of activity. Yeah, the lights were on, the air conditioning was on, we had a place to meet, but all oh, the Word of God was being taught. The money that we put towards that was well spent. Eternal things were being done. So here's the question, friends, do you care about such things? It's not just paying your pastor's salary, I think, that we can understand from what Paul is saying here. With the ministry of the Word in the local church, do you think about that? Do you care about our budget at all? When the budget cycle comes around at the end of the year, do you even bother to look at it? I know it's long. There's a lot of action items. There's a lot of line items there. Do you think about that at all? That's not just some pragmatic necessity attached to spiritual work that we're doing. The way that we spend our money and the fact that we pool our resources together and give it towards the teaching of the Word is spiritually significant. I challenge you, this year, if you have not done so in the past, when the budget comes around and is given to the church, read it. And then come to the meeting where we discuss it and ask some questions. If you see something in the budget, you say, well, why is this here? What does that have to do with the ministry of the Word? Well, bring it up. Let's talk about it. The Lord cares about how we use our resources together. We should care together. In fact, friends, we've covenanted to do so, haven't we? Those of us who are members of this church, we've stood up before the congregation and covenanted to give of our resources cheerfully for the work of the gospel in the local church. 
Now, some of you might be thinking, well, you know, I, yeah, I know that's true, but I give to a missionary, I give to this, I give to that, I give to other things outside. Well, that is good, but that is not what Paul is talking about here, is it? He says, the one who's taught may they share with the one who teaches. May you who benefit from the ministry of this church give financially to the ministry of this church. That's what he's talking about. You who have received such blessings from this church, you who are you ensuring that the church goes on to bless others? I guess that's the question that I'm asking. It's not just a question of can we keep the lights on. It's will the ministry of the word continue here where it has continued for so many decades now? Will it go on? Is, is this eternally significant work going to carry on? The gospel ministry of Grace Church, will it be going on in 30 years? When the, when the kids that are in the nursery right now have their own kids that are old enough to be in the nursery, will they be able to drive up the parking lot and find a bright gospel light here at Grace Church? Will they be able to hear the word of God taught and handled well? Will there be abundant opportunities for them to have the word ministered to them? That matters, friends. And what Paul is saying is the way that we spend our money has something to do with that. Again, I don't make any apologies about saying that. I'm not trying to shake you down. I believe this. I believe that what we do here matters eternally. All of you have resources at our disposal. We have various gifts, skills, time, energy. I'm not just talking about money. Friends, don't just sit on those things and invest them in your own life here and now. Your life will end soon. Invest yourself in the kingdom of God and the life of the age to come. Now, let me close by saying this. This is the, the last point that I was going to make. I, I won't be a point. It'll just be a conclusion. Paul says in verse 9, let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. This is not an issue of immediate gratification that we're talking about, the sowing and reaping. The results are not evident now of the sowing to the Spirit, but they will be. Now, unlike the farmer who knows roughly when the harvest is going to come, we don't know when the harvest is coming. We don't know when the reaping will begin, when the angels of God come. That's coming and we don't know, we don't know when. But it is coming. We wait for an unknown hour. And in fact, many generations before us have waited and waited and waited. Hebrews chapter 11 speaks about them. Those who waited for promises that they did not yet see, but they waited. They sowed with their very blood, their lives. They sowed, they sowed, they sowed for a kingdom, for a city with foundations God himself had laid. And that's what we're doing. There will come a day when the Lord Jesus comes in power, when all the sheep that he will gather are gathered together. And then the reward to reap, when the Lord Jesus looks at you, looks at me, oh, by the grace of God, would look at us with a smile on his face and say, ah, here is one who got what I was saying. Here is one who heard my word and believed it. Here is one who understood me and shared my heart, who did not spend this short life gathering up for himself only, 
but rather gave to the work of the ministry, to the spread of the gospel, to the coming of the kingdom. Here is my friend. And well done, good and faithful servant. Friends, there is a day of reaping to come. There may be many generations before it comes, but it will come. And we who believe the gospel sow to that day of reaping, not just for this age, not just for yourself, because we will surely reap. Now, let's, let's pray together. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for your great kindness to us. We thank you, O Lord, for taking the burden of our sin upon your glorious shoulders, Lord Jesus, that we might get what we do not deserve, salvation. Oh, teach us, Lord, to look to spiritual things in the age to come. Teach us to do even what, what our brother read in Colossians chapter 3 earlier, that we would set our mind on earthly things and give of ourselves towards eternal things, not earthly things, I'm sorry. Oh, Father, have mercy on us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.